and by his precious blood. And all in agreement with this prayer, shouted, amen. 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 Well, you may be seated. Well, welcome to Holy Week. Glory to God. It's good to see everybody out today. Praise the Lord. We were getting ready to head out this morning, and I said, Honey, look outside. It's snowing. I don't know if you all saw snow down here, but 20 minutes north of here, we had snow. Glory to God. Amen. So this is Palm Sunday. Praise the Lord. And we are going to, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, St. John chapter 11. And we're going to take a journey this morning into the life of Jesus and into the last few days of his life. It was kind of funny. I was, um, the Lord had really put on my heart a a message to deliver to you all. um, And I didn't realize that the message wasn't for a few weeks from now. Because all of a sudden I realized that Palm Sunday was upon us. And, you know, it's funny how when you don't put things before your remembrance, how far away they really seem. And, you know, for the world, they're about to celebrate Easter, but they don't understand what happened on Passover 2,000 years ago and that Jesus died as our Passover meal. Jesus died so that we would have access into the Holy of Holies once and for all. And that for a believer, death would be stripped of its power. And we will never experience death. I'm not talking about the death of this body. That's not real death. All that is is going from one place to another. Death is spending eternity in hell. Death is being separated from the Father. We will, you should lift your hands and thank God right now. You will never experience death. Glory to God. Never be separated from the Father. Hallelujah. And so I began to bring to my remembrance the last four days of Jesus' life. And that's what began uh, today, 2,000 years ago. And we're going to bring to that remembrance. We're going to actually start on um, Friday. But there's a few things I want to uh, make you aware of. You're going to hear some stuff about dates today. And about days. And it's really only significant for one reason. And that is, it's important to understand that Jesus was dead for three days. So for for Good Friday to be on a Friday and resurrection to be on Sunday, it's not possible. Because he was dead for three days and three nights. So that's important to understand. Celebrating on Good Friday, there's nothing wrong with that. Just like when we celebrate Christmas, that's not actually Jesus' birthday. But we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas. Are y'all with me? So you don't get into arguing semantics and arguing what people's theology is and all of that. If they believe that Jesus died on the cross and on the third day rose again and they receive him as their Savior, that's the only thing you need to make sure they understand. The rest of it, it, it's not a big deal. Amen? But I know I got some Bible students in this room. How many Bible students are in here? Amen. So I'm going to show you a few things from the Scripture that's going to help you 
understand exactly what happens scripturally speaking so you don't have to go by what you were taught. You know the old saying that uh, grandma taught it and we bought it. But we want to see it in the scripture. Amen? So I'm going to show you a few things today. They're going to point that out. One thing that's important to understand is that the Jewish calendar is not the calendar that we are on today. Their days are not the days that we are on. We go from a midnight to a midnight. They don't do that. The Jews, and back in this day, they went from sun down till sunrise or sunset to sunrise. So a day would have been, for instance, from Friday night till Saturday night, and that was the weekly Sabbath. But understand, when we talk about Holy Week, Holy Week is the week of Passover. There were multiple Sabbaths during Passover. So it wasn't just the weekly Sabbath, there were multiple Sabbaths. And when you see in Scripture in John 19, where he talks about the high day or the high Sabbath, that's not talking about the weekly Sabbath. Amen? So it's important to, to, to know a few of these things and to research a few of these things. Is what I'm telling you scriptural? Doesn't in Timothy, doesn't he tell us that we should study? Good job, by the way. Music department did a great job today. Praise the Lord. Timothy tells us, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, are you trying to prove something to God? No, you're trying to understand that you have been approved by God. Amen? God already approves of you. The problem is there's some things we need to learn. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, wrongly, rightly, dividing the word of truth. So if there's a right way to divide the word of truth, what is there? A wrong way. Good to see you, brother. Praise the Lord. So he says, study to show yourself approved. What does that mean? It means that you're going to have to do some work. Doesn't he also say in that same verse, a workman? Amen. What does that mean? It means you need to get your Bible out, get your concordance out, get Google online. Come on and do some work. Praise the Lord. So let's begin in St. John chapter 11. And we are going to begin with verse 43. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had been seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we, for this man doeth many miracles? They could not deny the miracles that Jesus did. Yet I want you to see something here. Miracles do not produce faith. There were those that saw the miracles. Then they believed. Making that choice to believe is what produces faith, not just seeing miracles, because notice here the Pharisees in verse 47, the doctors of the law, the religious people, they saw the miracle too. Did they believe? No, the opposite happened. What happened? They became angry and indignant and full of wrath, and then what did they begin to do? 
they began to plot the death of Jesus. This is, scholars believe this is somewhere around two months before the death of Jesus. Verse 48, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. What were they afraid of? Losing their authority, losing their power, and losing the money. Verse 49, And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself or of his own mind, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. You know, the scripture says that God will do nothing unless he first reveal it to his servants, the prophets. This man was a servant of God, a high priest, yet he was so far away from God. But God used him and prophesied this into being. Verse 52, And not for the nation only, but that he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. What's he also prophesying here? That the Gentiles would be saved. Uh, Verse 53, Then from the day forth they took counsel together for to put him or Jesus to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews but went thence into a country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim and there continued with his disciples. And and they believed this was somewhere around 60 days that he stayed in this place of Ephraim. Verse 55, And the Jews' Passover was now nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Now, that's what they were commanded to do. Jews were commanded to go to Jerusalem for the feast days to worship God. Verse 56, Then sought they for Jesus. Now, the reason they were seeking for him was obviously because they wanted to kill him, as we read, but also they knew that him being a rabbi and a Jew, he would be going to Jerusalem. So they knew they would have an opportunity to kill him. As they stood in the temple, what think ye that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him or that they might arrest him and kill him. So now Jesus has been in this place of Ephraim and now he comes out and he goes to visit a guy. Let's go over to Luke 19. And let's begin the last few days of Jesus. Jesus is now going to visit Zacchaeus' house. We're going to begin with verse 1. This is now um, Thursday night. So Friday would be from Thursday night until Friday night. Y'all with me? So when we, when we talk about Friday in the Jewish calendar, we're talking about sunset on Thursday until sunset on Friday. He goes to have uh, dinner with Zacchaeus at the beginning of the day, which is in the evening. Y'all getting it? Verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, 
which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, or for all the people, because he was of a little stature. And he ran before him and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, and he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up. Now understand in the life of Jesus, nothing happened by accident. Everything in the life of Jesus had a purpose. Everything that he did. Him staying in uh, that town for two months, that was divine appointment by the Father. That's what the Lord told him to do. Him then leaving and heading toward Jericho, that was the Lord telling him to go. Jesus knew everything that was happening, and he knew what was about to happen. Understand, this is Friday, Thursday night, Friday. The next day is going to be the Sabbath day. What do they do on the Sabbath day? They rest. They walk very little. They do very little. Then the next day would have been the first day of the week or Sunday, which is Palm Sunday, which is today. By the way, before you leave today, we have a palm branch for everyone which represents what happened on two days from what we're about to read right now. Verse 6, And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be with guests with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood. You remember what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, The Son of Man has not come to save the righteous, but the sinners. He said that it's not a well person that needs a doctor, but a sick person. Praise the Lord. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. So what are we seeing here? We're seeing true repentance. You know, the Bible talks about repentance with fruits, which means that if you're really repentant, then you make a change in your life. If you just say, I'm sorry, but there's no fruit to go with, I'm sorry, you're not really sorry. You're just sorry. Did you get that? Verse 9, and Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to the house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, he's a Jew, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Glory to God. So now at this dinner, we're going to look at the account of what's happening at that dinner from John. So go over to St. John chapter 12. It's also important to understand this, that there's what is called the synoptic gospels. Uh, many of you know what that means, but the synoptic gospels is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is not a synoptic gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke very much, um, you'll find almost all the same stories in all three gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is different, but you'll see that uh, many of them are similar. With the gospel of St. John, let's read uh, John chapter 12, and then I'll explain. And begin with verse 1. Now this is... Um, the ninth day of Nisan, which is the Jewish calendar, which we saw back over there in Luke chapter 19. Uh, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, so six days before the Passover, 
When did Jesus die? Did he die on Passover? No, good answer. Um, if, you, if you make a little note for yourself, John 19, verse 14, says uh, when Jesus was about to die, verse 14 says, and it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. So Jesus didn't die on Passover. He was the Passover meal being prepared during the preparation right before Passover began. See, for him to be the Passover, his blood had to be shed. And the scripture tells us in Exodus that the lamb had to be killed before the beginning of the feast day. Glory to God. See, there is nothing by accident in the scripture. These things happened exactly the way God had ordained them to happen hundreds of years earlier. And really in the realm of eternity, um, it's an eternal period of time. Glory to God. Because the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation. Praise the Lord. Verse 2. There they made him a supper. Now this is the first of three of the main meals that Jesus had before he died. Remember, we're on Thursday night right now. This is Friday, Thursday night. In 24 hours or within 24 hours begins the Sabbath day. Verse 2. There were made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Remember, Lazarus had been raised from the dead just a couple months prior. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why not was this ointment sold for 300 pence, or back then about $52. A day's wage was about 14 cents. So this was about 300 days worth of work. And she took this ointment and she anointed his body with it. Verse 6, then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Talking about Judas. And understand, thief here is not just someone who steals, it's also someone who murders. A thief was a murderer. And he had the bag or he had the money. It's also interesting to note that Jesus, knowing he was a murderer, entrusted him with the money. In other words, Jesus wasn't worried about money because he knew God was his source. So he wasn't worried about the market changing and your interest rate changing, and about the bank closing down. He wasn't worried about the, the accountant stealing the money because the guy that he appointed to be the one in charge of the money, he anointed him by the Holy Ghost to do it. He knew he was a thief. Was Jesus worried about money? Should you be worried about money? Should you be worried about money? Should you be worried about money? Thank you. Verse 7. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. For the poor you have always with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. You see how far religion will go? Religion will try to remove the miracle as if it never happened. 
But the, the crazy thing about it is if Jesus raised him from the dead once, why couldn't he raise him up again? Religion will do crazy things. Don't try to ever defend your religion. In other words, and let me rephrase that. Don't ever try to, to, to defend your theology if it's outside of God's word. you got to be willing to take all of your sacred cows, all of the things you've learned, and take it to the word of God and say, what does the word of God say about what I learned as a child? You'll notice that when people get caught up in that stuff, they can become very angry. You know, someone who is in love with the Lord and someone who is spiritual, you don't argue doctrine. It's not your job to try to convince somebody. Again, the only thing you need to really persuade somebody of is that Jesus loves you. He died for you and he raised from the dead. Praise God. 